0: Welcome to Kashrus Magazine Online. you reached uh, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine and our weekly program dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And if you have any difficulty in getting through to us in one method, there are a few ways to reach us. You can listen to us live at 718-506-9099. And we're also uh, archived on that as well, 718-506-9099. Or you can get us on the web at jrootradio.com. Again, jrootradio.com. If you want another number, we have 712-432-4217. And you can reach our studios in a few minutes to ask your questions. Scribble down the number. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. We're not taking the calls right now. I think what we're going to be talking about today will be something that will be very important to all of our listeners. And I put a lot of time into thinking about this topic uh, over the last few days. And I think that Everyone will gain a lot from it. And I ask you as a favor to try to pay attention for the next 20 minutes. And if you're driving, you can keep driving. But don't park the car and walk away from us. It's very important to stay in touch with us. You have the app. the You can listen to us over the app, uh, the uh, J Radio app, which you can download from the uh, Internet. Uh, the topic tonight, it's something I think a little bit unique, is dealing with the kinds of questions that I get asked very often. People call and they ask questions. Uh, Unfortunately, we can't return all our calls. But when they get through, when they want to talk to me, and, and they ask the question, these are the kinds of questions that we get asked. And they're very important for all of us to think about. I got a call this week from a lady who was taking a test... And she had to take some kind of drink because that was important for her to get a contrast, which was necessary for the test, the medical test, to be effective. And she's sitting in the hospital. Had she called me before, we could have discussed it a little differently. But she's sitting in the hospital now, and she already started to drink it a little bit. And she wants to know if she has to stop. She called me Bishas Meisa. She caught me. And either she's going to drink this thing or not drink this thing. And the test is going to work or not going to work. And we have to make the decision on the spot. And this is a kind of question that could affect anybody. And a lot of times you're not aware that you're going to get something like that. Another question which always comes up uh, is I'm invited to a certain affair. What can I eat there? And sometimes it's, a, it's an issue of I'm invited to a relative's house. I'm invited to a certain person's house and, I, and, and, they, and they use this and this food, whatever it is, whether it's a kind of fish or kind of meat or whatever it is, certain types of things they or they don't know what they use. These are the kinds of decisions that people have to make in life. I'm invited to an affair that's not kosher. Can I go? I'm invited to an affair that's kosher, but it's not my standard. And I don't know, think if it should be anybody's standard. It's called kosher, but it's in a non-kosher place, and there's issues there. And w- what do I do? Do I go to and I go? There, these are the kinds of questions that people struggle with. And, and more often, we get the kind of call that, I used a certain thing in cooking, and it didn't have hashkocha. Or it had hashkocha, but I wouldn't rely on that hashkocha. How do you sift out these problems? How do you deal with them? We can't uh, have all the answers today. I'm not an expert in cashless to the extent of knowing what could be wrong with each particular product. You'd have to spend a tremendous amount of time to research any area of that nature. First of all, you have to become a specialist in that type of product. You have to know what could happen. The chazal, when they deal with it, they, say, they discussed what is the chances, the likelihood, that an oil that's imported could be rendered not kosher by coming in contact with trey for meat. What's the chances of them adding, uh, of them adding wine to this kind of food? They had to make those decisions because they were buying things from non-Jews, they were getting things that they couldn't produce locally, and they had to make the decision for the people. Famous in Shulchan Aruch, about when the lemons are cut up by the non-Jew, and the lemons are sharp, and they're being cut up with a knife from a non-Jew, is that knife not kosher? Should I be concerned? Am I allowed to eat that lemon ju- use that lemon juice? These are the kinds of Shilas that we all rabbanim are asked and have to deal with. And these are things that in the course of a lifetime, you're going to be asked again and again in your life, you, yourself, your family. You're going to come across this. You have to call, a sh- call up and ask a shyla You have to deal with it on your own. And we're going to try to tackle some of these kinds of questions in the next few minutes. Please, please. Stay, stay on, the, the. listen to us, and don't go away if you possibly can. I'm just going to mention a word about our sponsor um, of, this, of this show, uh, which is Glotmart, which is conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. And Glatmart has uh, weekly specials every single week. I'm just going to mention a few highlights of some of these specials that are going on right now. They're not going to be, they'll be over by tomorrow, the last day. And then a new set starts on Wednesday and goes till next, to, through next Tuesday. But right on sale now, you can get Geffen Egg Noodles at $129 for 12 ounces. Geffen Mini Soup Mandel. 199, that's 14 ounces. Shibolim chocolate covered pretzels, 169. Libra's snackers at uh, 219. Libra's whole corn 15.25 ounces, just about 16 ounces for 69 cents. That's really what it is. No, that's the real numbers. Meats how about Family Pack Filet Steak at $8.99 a pound or Minute Steak Roast at $10.99 a pound? These are the real numbers right now on sale at Glottmart. And at Glottmart, you can save a lot of time by coming into Glottmart from the East 12th Street entrance and parking with their Valet Parking Service. And they will have the car ready for you when you want to load it up with the special items you purchased in the store. And at Glottmart, you're getting quality Kashwis. Uh, the, the quality of meats is A1. Coach certifications from both the Star K and the Vada of Flatbush. With Base Yosef Meats and with Expert Nikor, at Glottmart, you're getting quality Kashwis. Glottmart is at 1205 Avenue M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet in Glottmart, tell them you heard about Glottmart on Kashwis on the Air over JRoot. And right now, we're going to get to some of the questions that we had, uh, that we were mentioning before. We'll try to tackle them one at a time. Now, that woman who called me with the drink, basically, we sat down, we talked about what the ingredients were. She she read to me the ingredients. Now, I got to explain to you. She's taking this for a test. It's a medical test. I didn't ask her what the issue was, but I can assure you she was, happened to have been at one of the top hospitals in Manhattan. I'm sure this was a test of a serious nature, and it was something that had to be done. That's number one. Number two... They needed to have the contrast to be able to effectively do the test, to be able to see the results. You can't see without that contrast. That's the whole purpose of this particular test, and it is absolutely necessary to do something. When you have a chance in advance, sometimes you can order uh, that they get kosher. Sometimes they have kosher anyway. They tell you they they use this in this particular one. And sometimes I can even see sometimes where it says a hashgacha on it. So there are possibilities, and very often we get calls about these kinds of things, and we recommend uh, to people sometimes to speak to a pharmacist and have something prepared specially. There are options, but that's in advance. The woman is down there now. We have to decide on the spot what to do for her. So we went through the ingredients and what can you tell from the ingredients? We're not supposed to read ingredients today. We're supposed to give, uh, get something that has hashkocha I and mean, not only we're supposed to get something that has a good hashkocha. That's true if we're talking about a food item and here we're talking about something that isn't being taken for the purpose of food. The problem is it's good tasting. If it wouldn't be good tasting, we'd have less of a shiler. But it's good tasting, so now it has to have. Uh, it has to be kosher, because it's food. It has a dual purpose. It's something for this test. That's not a real medication, but it's a necessity for this particular test. And it also is a food because it has sugar of some sort. Maybe not directly sugar, but something that's a sugary item inside that gives a sweetness. It has a taste and a liquid, and it does function as a food. In fact, a bracha is really required on this food. So it's not a simple issue. We have to have kosher. So she read the ingredients, and Baruch Hashem, there wasn't anything that was uh, of of any major concern there. But I'm sure you understand, inside there had to be flavors, and flavors could be artificial flavors. They're, not artific- they're, they're natural flavors. Whatever they are, they could, not, they could be not kosher. But, as my Rebbe Zatzal, Reva and taught us, when you're dealing with liquids, like a soda, or in this case, this drink, usually what happens is, it's a combination of these flavor plus something like uh, a sugar. To get the unique taste that they're trying to get, it can only be done with a combination. In halacha, that's called ze veze goyrim. It's called a combination. And when you have a combination, if one thing could not affect the entire taste, but you require it to have the others to affect the taste, then we, we look at it in a different halachic way. Zevazeg if the ESER, the non-kosher food, cannot affect that taste by itself, but it needs something else to help do it, that's called zevazeg And in this particular taste, case, the taste for sure was a combination, and therefore it's a lot easier when we're dealing with this question. In addition, most of the flavors... Our kosher we had a, a one of the gentlemen on our show a while back i, I don't know if uh, people will remember it but i believe that 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 was uh, that that we had uh, one of our rabbis rabbi blech who mentioned that with the um, with the flavors or else if it wasn't on the show directly i i called him and asked him maybe that was what happened but rabbi blech told me that in general flavors are not a problem even though we do have hashkocha on flavor houses. He said sort of to to the effect that flavors is a good business (laughs) because you can get hashkocha on it and it requires a lot of uh, manpower to do the hashkocha. But the chances of actually the number of flavors that are not kosher is a very small amount. And then again, as I told you over here, we have a good possibility that it's a zevazeg goyre, and for these different reasons, I permitted her to take it, and that was the end of that story. And it's a, sim- a similar thing for anybody in the future. Yes, if you can get kosher properly, etc. for him. The only question was whether she should make a bracha. And you can always get own rub about that. Some rabbinic will tell you, that bracha on this, it's not a food. Others will say, of course you have to make a bracha. And my concern was, We have some slight issue here about kashras. Is a bracha necessary? And there wasn't something else in the place to be able to make a bracha on. And that she had to decide about making the bracha. And that's an issue that we discussed with her further. That's one type of question that people do run into. And it's helpful to have heard the answer to it. What about another one of the things we talked about? We talked about a question about how far I have to go with my own personal humrus. You know, I don't eat this, I do that, and I only use certain ashkachas for certain things. Do I have to live that way all the time? I'm traveling, I'm invited to somebody, somebody offered me something to eat. Do I have to keep all these humrus up all the time? So let's take one of the more clear-cut situations. You have a brother, you have a sister, you have a mother, a father, the in laws, they invited you for Shabbos or for something else. And they don't keep your standards. They don't. Let's be realistic. You have, you're have, living in a very from area, and you send your kids to the best yeshivas, and you're diving in a very good shul, and you're taking kashas very seriously. Of course, you see, you listen to the show. So for sure, you're taking cautious very seriously. And now we have a question. You're invited to your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. You're invited to a certain situation. We're not going to talk about a cousin, uh, an aunt and an uncle in another state, whether you have to go away, visit there and eat there. That, that, that's a more interesting discussion. But we're taking the people that will be hurt very badly if you don't join that you may even have a mitzvah of kibbutz the aim on some level, that you have some kind of responsibility to them, that you can't easily get out of it, that people may even say bad things about you if you don't go, and you don't want to hurt those people anyway. So and you don't want to push yourself in their face, that we we're more religious than you. So what's the answer? So I'm going to tell you what my Rebbe Zatzel said. In these particular cases, he said, here's a sort of a general rule. The rule is, if you want to go for family, if it's very important to go for family, then you go. And yes, you're going to eat certain things there, but you can't give on your basics. Let's say, for example... In the old days, we used to have glott kosher, non-glott kosher, and today it's almost impossible to find non-glott kosher. There is such a thing, but uh, our people basically don't get exposed to it very much because OUOK, kufke StarK, and Mokbit only on, on, on glott kosher. It isn't so common to find caterers and things like that. We don't find too much anymore. There's a little bit of non non-glot around, but not serious amount. So most of us don't have that kind of a challenge. Oh, here you are. You're invited to this relative. So, if Zimin said like this, you have to know your basics, whatever they are. Let's say, for example, uh, you're makpit on Chal of Israel, and they don't keep Chal of Israel. You're makpit on certain, uh, let's, say, let's, say with, let's say, with the, uh, the insects and in the, in the vegetables, you don't eat certain vegetables uh, unless you have a, a very, very high level of bedikas toiloyim. Either you do it yourself or you purchase certain ones that you accept as uh, packaged, whatever it is, or certain mashkichim you check in certain stores, they, they do it, and you, uh, you either buy from them or you eat there. Certain places you feel confidence in. So now I'm going to this relative, and they don't even know what we're talking about with B'digat tolayim. What are you talking about? I've never seen one of those things in my books and like that in my life. So, you know, we can't start educating them. They're not ready to listen to it but they have good meat, and they have good bread, and the other things that I rely upon. Can I go into this house? So Zimmerman said, you work with your basics, things that you yourself know that you can't give on. There are things, you set your own standards, I can't tell you what they are, but there's certain things that you feel, this is how I'm gonna conduct myself inside the house and outside the house. Now for other things, Basically, I'm trying to do it wherever I go. But for family, there is such a thing as giving a little bit and not looking over their shoulders. If they want to satisfy your needs fully, with all you do, they should be praised and you should be appreciative forever and ever. But if you're talking about real world, they're happy with what they do They have rabbis who tell them that they're doing fine. So what do you want to bother them for? The only question is, are you going to go? And are you going to eat? The answer is, if it's going to offend people, you should go and eat, as long as you're not giving up on your basics. What those basics are is something that you have to determine, and you can determine with your own Rav. But this is how Rav Zimman explained it. It's a very interesting approach. And I know that he, he told me, uh, that actually his son told me, that when he was in Yeshiva, Mir Yeshiva back, I don't know, 40-something years or 40-50 years ago, when the the son was learning in Yeshiva, he didn't come home for Shabbos sometimes and he stayed in people's houses, but he didn't know where to go. So he used to call his father and say, where can I eat? And he said to this house or to that house. And of course nobody called up the house and said, do you use this meat? Do you do this? Do you? No one's going to, we can't go into their lives and and, and, and and treat them that way, but we can look at them in general and see how they're conducting themselves and decide or rely on them or not. A young man came over to me yesterday and he said that he's bought a house and in the house, they decide they're going to kashar and how do you kashar? I said, well, well, you know, who was there before? He says, Well, the Jewish people. I said, Were they religious? He says, Yes, they were religious people. So I said, if they were religious people, I mean, we, we call these the Shamir, you know, he really keeps Shabbos and Kashrus and, and yeshiva and basic commitment to everything that we know, then you don't have to Kasha. So well, you don't have the Kasha? Of course you have to Kasha. You're going to somebody's house, you don't you don't know who they are, what they did about one second. First of all, everything's in a bin What hasn't been used for 24 hours. I mean, but you don't have to kasha. Well, well, he couldn't understand what I was talking about, so I told him that Ravzim and Zatzal told us way back in the 1960s. That's when I first met him, I believe. In the 1960s and the early 70s, it was, it was known what Ravzim and Paskin. He said, that was in those days, it's not for today. He said, If there's a mezuzah on the door, you don't have to kosher it. When you come into an apartment and there was a mezuzah on the door, you don't have to kosher. Because in those days, everybody kept kosher with a mezuzah. All Jews were keeping kosher. And if you have a mezuzah on the door, he definitely kept kosher. You don't have to even inquire who it is. That's how he taught. Today, uh, a mezuzah doesn't prove anything. You could have a mezuzah left over from, from a few people ago, and it could be a non-Jewish person living there. mezuzah in the door isn't proof of anything. And people today could have a mezuzah and not be observant Jew, and not and not keep really halachas. So we don't want to say that rule that he said. But the point being, if they are what we call shaymat Torah mitzvahs, we don't have to go crazy to find out how they weren't every single thing. Now, the one thing he raised was the question of a microwave oven. So microwave oven, my Rebbe Zatzal said the following. Vaziman said that, if a, that the microwave oven, he didn't feel could be koshered. I know there are many people who kosher microwave. He held you couldn't kosher a microwave. And therefore, when he approached the, the microwave, he said um, that we, ha- we cannot kosher it if it was used for the wrong thing. So here, it's a little interesting. If these people went into this apartment or this house, and then they the, the, it was original equipment, and they designated it for use only for one thing, and, went, and they, they happened to see that on the microwave it said milchiks. So that's only used for milchiks if that's how they've been doing it from the beginning. Not that they moved in and they so-called kashered it. But if they, if they had it from their own and they kept it milchiks, there's no reason to be machmir to kasher. If they're careful, they're careful. Now if you're mocked by the and they don't keep Israel. okay, that's interesting. But that's something different. If you're talking about you keep Israel and they kept Israel, then you don't have to ask them six million questions on Kashrus. It's enough that a Torah lived there, that's how Rosiman taught us, that's how we live, that's 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 the situation. We have more I asked more questions than I answered, but I have some people calling in. So if you'd like to reach us now, 718-683-5858. Again, 718-683-5858. If you're listening to us and you're not hearing it as clearly as you'd like, try this telephone number, 718-506-9099, or try the the JRootRadio.com. On, uh, on, the, on the internet, that's radio dot com, and if you could download the JRoot app, you can listen to us wherever you are. This that's very, very, very helpful. And we're going to ask our, have our first caller now. Go ahead, please. You want kosher on the air? Can I help you?
1: Yes. If you cooked something, a fish in a molchuk or something in a fishy pot, then is it kosher?
0: I this is a, a very important question but you see i well you know how a jew is when a jew asks a question you have to ask him a question back so you have to tell me whether that pot was used within 24 hours for meat and whether that uh spoon or fork whatever it was was used for 24 hours for milk or if you, okay, or let's say you put milk in a, in a flashika pot. So you have to know if that was used within the last 24 hours for flasheks. If, if it was not used within the last 24 hours for flasheks, for real meat, then even though it's called flasheks, it cannot make the food trafe. Okay. Now let's explain to you why. Okay. Because okay. What, what's the concern? Some flavor is going to come out the flavor that's going to come out from there doesn't taste good after 24 hours. It's a little bit off. It's not going to make you sick to your stomach, but it's not going to taste as good as before. So if there's flavor in there, it's going to come out and get a little bit off taste, and that's enough to make it we call tam lifgam, and therefore it cannot make your food schreif. So let me just say it a little more clearly. If a goy takes a pot from his house, which is trafe, and he cooks up food for you, and you don't and he didn't use that pot within the last 24 hours, the food is kosher. And in trafe a pot, the food is kosher, because the taste that goes in is not going to make it trafe. It, the only exception would be if it's a very sharp food, and that's a very rare kind of situation. Okay. Thank you for the call. Okay. Go ahead. You're on on the air. Can I help you? You're on on the line. Can I help you? Nobody's there. there. Is not the caller? Okay. Hello? Yes. Go ahead. You're on the. You're online.
1: Yeah. Hi. Um. I want to know. We. My mother bought a cereal that was. Um. It sat on an OV instead of OU. What does OV mean?
0: Okay. OV stands for I mean, it's the vod of Saint Louis. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the OU. The vod of Saint Louis is a hashgacha from the uh, that's uh, that's the only one out in Louis, Missouri. So it's a it's a regular hashgacha that's uh, found on many products, especially a lot of cereals in the states. I, I, it's not on, on on this show. We do not answer which hashgachas to rely upon. But it's it's a similar one to an OU or an OK or a Cuff I think uh, maybe mm-hmm. it's not uh, as popular. Maybe you don't see it very often. But for cereal, it's for sure, it, it shouldn't be any different than an OU. Okay. Okay,
1: fine. Thank you. You're
0: certainly welcome. Okay. okay, okay. We have another caller. No, no other callers. Okay. You can you can reach us uh, at that? you can reach us at seven one eight. Six eight three five eight five eight, and you can text us at 347 927 8398. Now, I have a good question that came in over here. I mean, I don't say it's good, but this, it's, a good, it's an important question, and the person texted it in, probably for anonymity. I know. Um, Uh, so I oh oh so somebody's answering me. He's saying to me that Rav Ziman, uh told his father. I think I know who sent this in, by the way. So he he said he said he said, said, uh, he said uh, that his father was told that um, even if it's a lower standard of kashrus, you don't have to kosher the place when you move in. Okay. Again, even if the standard of kashas was lower than yours, you didn't have to. But I didn't hear this directly from Zimman. I, I don't only really have to go into that right now. But uh, Rav Zimman had a different understanding anyway about the ovens, how they are, etc. Everybody, when they go into a new situation like this, should do at least one thing, and that is the kasher the racks that are in the stove. Because sometimes there's a little mix-up there, and we feel you should designate separate racks for milchiks and flayshiks and parva. And if you have one stove you're using for flayshiks and for milchiks, sometimes people get those racks mixed up. And there, we would recommend kashering by putting it into a self-cleaning oven. Okay, uh, we have a caller coming in now. Yes or no? Okay. So we'll go back to you go. Is somebody there? Okay. You're on Kosharis Online. Can I help you? Yes, sir. Yes, you're on. Lo- you're, Hi, thank you're on- you. I
1: appreciate it. Um, how does it work with um, K's and cereals? Is it Kellogg's or even Special K. I saw a Special K cereal that was a little different than usual. It had a it was called, uh, chocolate amount. It had chocolate pieces in it and, and almonds. and had a K on it.
0: So what do you want to know?
1: Is there a blanket that I like, go old, like old Kellogg's or... Uh, the K is good, or are there certain cereals. There well, a again, we don't
0: we don't really want you know. I really don't want to answer this question, but I'll help you. Even though, because we're on we're on live here with people listening, I feel a little bit uh, you know. We try to avoid answering direct questions of that nature, but I will I will help you. The K on Kellogg's cereals is the K, the K V H from Boston. That's the Vada of Boston. That's mm-hmm. it's called Vada Vada Massachusetts. It, the of Massachusetts is made up of Orthodox conservative reform rabbis, but the Kashrus area is only in the hand of, of, of Orthodox rabbis. The, the, that's the, and they've been with KBH. KBH has had Kelloggs for about 30 years or more. Uh, the, there are some cereals that are under the Kellogg, they're from Kellogg's that are very innocuous, and even if they didn't have Ashkocha, might be usable. So those are for sure not an issue, even if you don't like the ashkachi, you do like it, that's your decision. Uh-huh. However, the more sophisticated the product, the more ingredients they're using, the more exotic the ingredients, then it, it, the pressure is on you know, to uh, push the button, as we say. And there I can't tell you where to go. My own feeling is that you, you might want to review it with somebody else. I, I just don't want to take uh, the time now on the radio to discuss it. You might want to review the more sophisticated cereals that you're talking about with a lot of ingredients, whereas Rice Krispies and cornflakes or something very close to that, Would be fairly innocuous. You wouldn't even have to uh, worry about it. But if you're talking about more sophisticated things, you might want to review that with somebody else and decide whether it's your standard or not. That I can't really do Mm -hmm. over the radio. I mean, over the station here. Now, what else (coughs) did I say? Was uh, uh, you? you, So there are people who have lists on the Star K website. They probably have a list over there of cereals, and you might want to use their list. And I think that they accept all the Kellogg's. People should know that Kellogg's company makes things other than cereal, and they have uh-huh. a K, and they are not under the certification of the of, of the KBH. And those things have gelatin in them. Okay.
1: Is it cereal or gelatin? No, cereal? I didn't say that.
0: Uh-huh. I, I talked about things other than cereal. That the Kellys, They're Pop-Tarts and things like that, which Kellex also makes, and just a plain K on it, but it's a different hashkoch entirely. Thank you for the call. I see uh-huh. with all the phones uh-huh. are lighting up. Okay, next call. Are you on Kashrus online with Rabbi Yosef Wickler? Can I help you?
1: Yeah, hi. I was wondering, are you going to cook um, a falashik pot and a milk pot on the same
0: stove if they're both covered? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the all stovetop, right. 100%. Here is what we have to understand. The stovetop has a few parts to it. We have the four burners, and then we have the space in between. Now, if you spill things, the space in between is going to absorb milchiks, and sometimes going to absorb flasheks. Now, it's hard for something to become trafe. It would have to fall on a spot where the opposite thing fell, hot within the last 24 hours and this has to be hot and that had to be hot it's a, an exact spot so it's, it's an unlikely situation but there's still a concern and therefore the in-between in the low man's land that stuff is of, is of an issue that you have to be worried about number two when you the grate that you're I mean the burner that you're putting the pot on the milchica pot and the one in the fleshica pot so if you interchange and there's spillage then we have a problem with the pots becoming not kosher because of the, you're switching from one to the other. After you uh, cook the food, and if you, leave the, uh, if you take the pot off, or even if you leave it on there a little bit after you cook it, or anyway, even in the cooking, if the thing is totally dry, that burner, then you have koshered that burner. Now you understand, uh, there's no liquid that's on, no dirt, no schmutz, nothing left on the burner, and the pot is sitting on top of it, that's called kasherd. And then, if you could switch and put the milchika one on the same exact place. So you really don't have, on the, on the four burners, you really have four parva burners, unless there's spillage and um, schmutz there, and then you have a problem because you're mixing milchies and fleshesh. But doing them at the same time is no problem, but you have to have a lot of seichel. You have to have a lot of seichel. Right. So, Rav and Zatzal, hey. second, so Rav Zim and Zatzal gave an eitzah. His eitzah was, you take a piece of tin foil, and you put it between the two pots, and you let it lean on one of them. And the purpose of this is, that in case anything comes up from one of the pots some uh, steam gets up and raises itself up above the pot, you know, whether it's bubbling or you take it off to look for a second, that that steam won't get onto the other pot.
1: All right, okay, fine, thanks.
0: You're certainly welcome. Okay, next caller. Go ahead. You're on, done, Online. Go ahead.
1: Done, I have a two-part question. There is a store in our neighborhood that was selling ice cream full of thumbs. They recently set up two stations that sell Cholob Yisrael.
0: Is it certified, this place?
1: Yes, it has a certification okay. on it. Okay. Yeah. And it has, also has toppings, which are both parva and, and Milchitz, and the Milchich
0: So we have three levels here Paravan, Milchich and milk israel. Yisrael. Top,
1: toppings are, the milk are called
0: yeah, okay, we have three different things in the same store. Very hard yeah, to do. The, the very same hard.
1: For the ice cream are on two different ends of the store. The toppings are all together in one area, labeled.
0: Very, very, very un- unfortunate.
1: And there is no meshgirch t'midi, which is the second part of the question. Do you need a meshgirch t'midi?
0: Well, you can't afford a meshgirch t'midi. I mean, you, you put the store, you'll, the store close up. But the point there is, there's
1: nobody firm in the store though, running it. The,
0: that the, the point is. If you have seichel, you don't set the store up the way you just described it. If you have seichel, you set it up as the highest standard, at least for the toppings. The toppings should have been all parva or all chal v'israel. I Don't start with the parva and the this and that, because what's going to happen is somebody uses a spoon, somebody throws something back in, somebody uh, is, not, is a little sloppy in it, and it, it's gonna, it, it affects the next person. It's impossible. It's like it's like uh, it's like what I've seen in the stores. Let's say these supermarkets where they have uh, bagels. So they have uh, or something else like that, and they'll have bagels that are uh, Pass Israel or whatever, and they'll have ones that are not Pass Israel. And they and you're supposed to remember the the person who's shopping. If he decides he doesn't want it, he's supposed to know to put it back in this box, this bin. You stay
1: away from the top things? I can take the
0: ice cream. Why not? The only, the only question it would have been that maybe occasionally they switched the machines from A to B. They switched the machines from A to B. They had to clean it out somewhat, and it's cold. There's no, there's no heat in that thing. So, yeah, right. so it, really should be, it really should be acceptable. But I just want to tell you a, a historical fact, and it's a little scary, and that is that over the years, a number of incidents have occurred where people who were allergic to milk and milk products... Were affected by buying parva ice cream in these stores. So uh, it's not a perfect guarantee of anything. You need give a shamayim of the owner or a Mashgir that has some kind of uh, sense in terms of how how often he comes and how he controls it. But there's no question that uh, you, the, the goyim left alone all day uh, for a long, long time, where they switch over the ice creams. You don't know what's happening. Yeah, but there's only a chumrah we can call it of Israel. Okay, now
1: there's maybe no
0: m- maybe for you it's a chumrah, and maybe for me it's a chumrah. But for some of the people listening here to this show to now, it's not a chumrah; it's a din. And a Chassidisher who is marked by the of Israel, meika hadin, for him it's called treif. Not not <laughs> maybe it is called treif. So it's not a simple thing. And if the people are not, are not careful, they can't just say like you're saying. Now, that's for you or for maybe, maybe I would say the same. Maybe I would say the same as you. But a, a Hasidisha would feel uh, that it was treif, and, they, and that's the halacha for them. Well, okay? I thank you very thank much. Thank you for the call. Thank go, you. Go ahead, Yaron. Kasha's online. Go ahead, please.
1: Hello?
0: Yes, you're Yaron, you're, you're live. Go ahead. Okay,
1: fine. Um, when I wash dishes, do I need to use um, kosher soap?
0: You want to know if you have to use kosher soap on dishes? Yeah. Okay, so there's, the, there's two answers to that, yes and no. Now, and there's also, the long answer would be, it depends on how, how unkosher it is. In other words, real trey soap, you wouldn't want to use there. But the thing is like this. Soap does not taste good. Nobody would eat soap, and therefore it doesn't put in a good taste into the product. So therefore, even if you would have a non-kosher soap, technically, it probably would not make anything not kosher. But we don't want anything on our uh, our utensils, which come in contact with our mouth and which cook our food, we don't want to put anything there that's not kosher. That's how my Rebbe Zatsal taught. He really taught that, for example, when you had this... Uh, uh, you know with the, you have the sil- sterling silver polish silver polish, he was mocked, but you should try to get and a lot of people mention this to try to get kosher ones, even though it can't make anything trafe because with that which comes in our mouth we should we should try to make sure that it really was kosher completely. So, so, so luckly not
1: kosher soap then I could still use these like these stuff.
0: Excuse me here just said I, I was not, like plates
1: that were washed with not kosher soap. could they still be used?
0: They they were washed with non-kosher soap. Can they still be used? Well, it depends. When you say non-kosher soap, if you mean a soap that doesn't have any ashkocha, yes. If you mean that you know that they that it's that, 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 that they're using uh, tallow and lard and whatever it is in the. Uh, in the soap, so again have, uh, probably uh, the, the same halacha applies, but I would want to talk to you more about it if you knew that it was really trafe to that extent. If you're just saying it has no ashkacha, that's, that's a, from a thing, but if you're talking about what's mamish, mamish Trafe, again it's probably not edible for anybody even for a, a dog, and therefore I don't think it, the evidence should make any difference. Okay. Right.
1: Thank you so much. You're
0: certainly welcome. I'll go ahead ha- right. Go yes. ahead. you're on Kashris online, go ahead. Yes, if
1: you if you have uh, dishes that somehow they got treif and but you wash them off like 20 times, are are they are you allowed to eat with them?
0: No, but I don't know if they, how they became trafe. The first thing when these things come up is you have to ask Arov whether they are trafe. because a lot of times what we think is trafe is not really trafe. For example, you took milchaka... Spoons and forks, and you used eating kai's cheese and sour cream and all that stuff, and you and you had forks that you used from a uh, fleshy meal, and you washed them in the sink together. In most cases, they would still be kosher. I'm not going to go into the details today because it's a little involved, but you have to know the exact thing. The rav has to talk to you, and then if you know that it's really not kosher then it has to be koshered and the way to kosher it is to put it into hot boiling water and I'm not going to go through the details of how to do it now if you really need to know you'll call me at 718-336-8544 which is the number of our office, Kosher Magazine's office and we'll definitely help you through any koshering situation but washing it off a million times will not make it uh, or sticking it in the ground none of these things work you have to kosher in hot boiling water and you have to know how to do it and certain things can't be cautioned at all. How old are you and what school are you in? 10 11,
1: like
0: Oh, thank you very much for calling. We love it. Take good care. Okay, we have some people who texted in and I want to take one or two of those questions right now. You said before, uh, let's just give the number out in case anybody wants to call, 718 Five eight five eight. That's the number here in J Root, Seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. We have open lines, and if you want to text us, it's three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. Now somebody said you said before if a non Jew cooks in a pot that's ben yomo that was not used for twenty four hours, it's uh, it's kosher. That's the halach in You should exclude cases. Of bishul akum. So in other words, what the gentleman or the lady is reminding me is that we have a bishal akam problem. So if your person cooks, let's say, meat, a goy cooks meat for you, he puts that on the fire and he cooks it in his pot, and even though you know it's kosher meat, you saw him put it in, and the question was the pot, so you can't eat it, because he cooked. A non, co- non-Jew can't cook meat for you. You have to Put it on the fire. We discussed that here many times. So yes, bishul affects it. But if he cooked, he baked an apple, then that's an apple is edible raw. If he put a tomato, he cooked a tomato. Tomato is edible raw. Those things you don't have to worry about at all. And there may be some things that people wouldn't serve to a a person, and that's also exempt. And therefore, w- we meant only those things that would not be bishul I thank the uh, the listener for texting us on that one. we got another caller. Go ahead, please. You're on Kashrus online. Can I help you?
1: Yes. This time of the year, we always have this problem. Most of the time, if you have one oven, you um, could use it for parav, and if you use it for flay you you kasher it out, and then you could uh, use it again for parav. But this time of the year, we have the issue of milchigs, of cheesecake. What happens then with one oven? Could you give me an idea?
0: Well, you're asking the wrong person because my Rebbe Zatzal Rav Ashazim, and who was trained and he quoted always, Rab Moshe Rosen, who was a, a poisek here in New York going back a long time already. Uh, the old style was one oven for everything. That was the old style. And you did milchiks and you did fleishiks and you did parav in there and my Rebbe Zatzal taught it the following way and I've said it here many times I'll just explain it to you it's a very simple thing and I've answered this question I mean probably hundreds of times already and it helps a lot of people understand it but again you can go and continue to do what you've done your whole life the fact is that nobody cooks on the oven they cook in the oven the oven is a place it's not a real uh, utensil it's a place. The rack is a utensil. The rack is an issue. The rack we mentioned a little earlier today has to be separate from milchik's part of fleshik's. But the oven is a place. It's nothing more than a place. And the only concern that, that people have is what we call zeya, which is that there's uh, a steam, a, a moist steam in the, uh, in the oven. And that could render something, milchiks, fleischiks, parava. It could be uh, mixing the milk and the flayshik's. It could be trade for kosher. Th- then you have a concern when we talk about zeya, which is moist, a, a vapor. It's not a a, a, a a plain gas. It's a vapor. There's a liquid part to it as well. That takes place in the oven sometimes. It takes place in the oven only a little bit, maybe three, four, six inches, and then it dissipates and becomes a gas. So that's a concern in the oven. That's doing two things at once. But if you're not doing them at once, the oven won't affect you, except for one thing. If you do on the top rung of the oven, or the top uh, grate, if you put an open pot and it has, let's say, flesheke soup, and then the soup, the zaya from the soup goes up and hits the top of the oven. And then tw- 20 minutes later, you take that out and put in uh, something that's milchiks that, uh, that you put in the same space, like towards the top, a few inches from the top, just underneath where you had the flesheke cooking. Now, and that's uncovered, so then you have a zaya cycle going up and down. But when they're covered, or even one of them is covered, there is no issue.
1: Mm-hmm. Now That's, that's very the, interesting. I uh, don't know why you say I asked the wrong person. I think I asked the right person. No, I yeah. asked no, you ask <laughs> the wrong
0: person. Meaning, uh, many people have been used to a certain way of conducting themselves with the oven, and they feel that this is not you know, appropriate, what I've said, because they, they, they well, we we spent we spent a lot of time on it in the yeshiva when we had the yeshiva bekas ruven at that time, and we we, 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 did, uh, we discussed with Moshe Feinstein's chuva, where he has a little bit of a different approach, and we you know we, we again there are people who there are three levels here basically there are some people who would not ha- use the same oven for milchers and fleishiks at all, they would have to kasher in between. Other people would wait 24 hours, as Rabbi Moshe said, and Rabbi said you don't have to wait 24 seconds. As long as there's no zeh in there, and there's no reicha, no smell from the previous cooking, you could cook right away. The the grate has to be a separate grate, and covered is, is only necessary if you're putting it under the place where you cook the other thing exposed within the 24 hours.
1: Now let me ask you something. Let's say you don't have a separate grate. So what should you do? Wash it well, or and
0: uh, if you don't have separate grates, you put a piece of tin foil between what you're cooking, and that grate.
1: Oh, and that grate. Right. Uh huh. It oh. makes sense. I, I have to tell you really quickly that um, my 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 grandmother, you know, had this. Way of cashering between, let's say, she used parva and she used fleishes. By the way, a lot of poskim claim you're only allowed to do it for two. You can't do it for three. You can't. You could do it between parva and fleishes, but you can't do it all three with milichik. I don't know. That's my. I have a daughter in Lakewood. And she was told that. So, I don't know if you heard of that one.
0: I did that one. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I was, I was looking at the uh, the texting. We were just discussing it here. Yeah, oh. I hear. You. So I I understand that. That's why I said to you that there Some are people other people.
1: Some people said that. that that's why oh. I was concerned now for yeah. Shavuos. But my grandmother, she used, she had a minhag, that after she used the oven, she washed it out very well, and then she would put in a potato to bake, and when the potato was baked, she knew it was kashrut. <laughs> so. That minnock stayed in my family for years, and I couldn't figure out what it was all about. So I asked Rabbi Blumenkrantz, what that means. I, I, I've never heard of this. Where did she get this? Right. So it, he explained to me that this was her method of testing the temperature in the oven, that if it reached a certain temperature, and this goes back like uh, 80 years ago, you know, if it reached the temperature that the 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 potato got cooked, baked, so then it was cashed out. Okay. To use it for the other thing.
0: Okay, I hear. So it.
1: that was uh, just a little side thing. Very nice. But, um, uh, but according to Rabbi Zimmerman, you say you're you're, uh, uh, Rav, you could use it for three things. You could, in other words, if you clean it out well, you could use it now. it's time for milchegs.
0: Right. Thank you uh-huh. very much for the call. Thank you, thank you. Take good care. Yes. Okay. Uh, we Before we go on, we we'll just go, actually we have another couple of things that people uh, texted in over here, and I'm going to try to take care of those now. Uh, now, people ask me about filtered water. Could you be maker when you're going to relatives? First of all, the filtered water is only a New York City problem. It's not out of New York City. And uh, so if you... That's number one. To be making that, I don't, I don't want to decide for you. That's something you can discuss with, a, with your own Rav. But, the, uh, but you have to understand that if you're taking a little bit of water at any time, the chances of finding a bug in it is very, very slight. But if you're constantly using that water, you're definitely going to have bugs in it. You know, the the, the pods are definitely there. People told me that they think there are no copepods pods anymore. Well, I've seen them myself, and one of my Talmidim brought in a little vial of copepods pods from his uh, sink. Uh, no, they're, they're there. There's no question they're there. Whether you have to machmir on, a, on an ounce of water, that's something else. But if you're going to eat, they're going to have a soup, and they're going to have everything else over there. Uh, soup is a little bit less of a shayla because it's cooked, even though we say it can't be guaranteed uh, there's something better ask your own Rav. I don't want to decide for you another question was asked over here is uh, okay we did that Oh, we really yeah, we did all of them oh, uh, grapes I uh, had to wash grapes that we've done many times the best is that you, you look in Rabbi Vaya's book he goes through it very well uh, we have the copies of his book if you're interested call us at 718-336-8544 or go to a store a revised book gives description of every single uh, fruit and vegetable that you have to clean before we go and we have only a few minutes, more minutes left I just want to mention to uh, my listening audience that J. Root is right, right now in a financial uh, bind and we do need to have money here it's not for not for salaries for uh, people on the radios but when we're speaking on the station. People were speaking on the station are not getting paid anything. But there is the tremendous need at this particular time. And I ask and urge every one of you to contact J Root. You can call J Root uh directly at NISM. What number?
1: Um,
0: that uh, we can uh, reach the Text us, the best one to text oh. us, the so best way to text or to send uh, some uh, whatever they want to 2829 Nostrand Avenue 11229. One, one, two, two, 2829 Nostrand Avenue 12211229. 11229. One, one, two, two, or you can text Jared us Radio. at 347 927 8398. And I just want to reiterate uh, my own personal offer to anybody who wants, $50 or more to JRoot, and you get two free subscriptions to Cassius Magazine. Some people are taking advantage of it. Uh, $50 or more, and look at the wonderful program you're getting here. People can't find this anyplace else. So it's a, it's a tremendous uh, opportunity to help support an institution at the time of need. A chazaka is at the time of need. There's no there's no purpose in giving it when there's uh, 10 million people at the same time giving. Today is the that this particular time, this particular juncture, there is a, a tremendous need, and we, we suggest the people do text us at three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight with their contributions. They'll be contact. They'll be called back, and if you want, you could reach us at seven one eight three three six. 8544, Karsh's Magazine off it, and we will arrange for your donation to J-Root, and if you give $50 or more, we will give you two free subscriptions to Kasha's Magazine, and the, if you want to send in a check, again, it's 2829 Nostrand Avenue, 11229. So, and when you contact us at at Kashris at 718-336-8544, you can make recommendations for future shows, topics that you want to have taken up. We will try to answer your questions, uh, but but, but I cannot promise that we'll be able to call back. If there are no more questions, I'm just going to tie it up with another aspect or two of what we, we were talking about before. When somebody goes and he travels, can he let go some of these humorism and hug him, et cetera, that he has? The answer is that that's part of life. It's not a necessity to go travel. And when you travel, you could take things with you. My goodness, what did you think your grandparents did, your great-grandparents did? When, as I've said many times, what do you think the Indians called the Jew? They called him hard-boiled egg. Because the Jew used to travel with an egg in his pocket, a hard-boiled egg. What else could he eat? When I was growing up, the Jew used to carry salami, and he'd take rye bread and salami wherever he was going. And people brought their food along. Today, with the car, it's so easy to schlep things along. And even when you have a whole family going, you teach them, you're teaching your family that we're machmir, that things are not easily available elsewhere, that we keep our Yiddishkeit Kite 24-7, 365. There's absolutely no need when you travel to be mekel on any of the chumras that you have in the house. But I will say, and this is how we did it in our house, when it comes to the children, the children are exposed to tremendous pressures today. You can skip going to that relative, you can just eat a little bit, you could not go to that chasna. You can do what you want. It's so easy for you to eat in the house, etc. But the kid goes to school, the other kid offered him something. He's invited to the party in the other kid's house. You can't go ahead and be on him all the chumras in the book. When you're dealing with your with your kids, when you're sending them out, try to find the lowest common denominator, not the highest common denominator. What you do yourself and when you bring food into the house, when you go to, pe- go to places, the restaurants, when you travel, highest common denominator, the highest standard. When you're dealing with your kids, make sure that you understand the pressures, the social pressure that they have when they go out in the morning and they see that kid take something out from their their, 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 their uh, briefcase, and they're going to have it for a snack. And he says, Would you like one? And that kid has to say, No, we don't eat that. That's a challenge. Sometimes it has to be. I'll say, of Israel, not, of Israel. They, yeah, it might be times where you have to teach them that. But try to do it with a lot of understanding. For the pressure that the young child is into and especially today's world where the pressures are hard on all of us rabbi i just want to tell you that the most important is to be a mystic and you if we're teaching our kids to be double standard in the house you're doing something and the other outside is not it, it's the wrong that if the kids see you that you're big machmir and i believe that they will follow you yes you have to explain them very good but you, we have to put the limit, because when we're talking about double standard, yeah,
1: in my house I keep kosher, and outside they don't keep It's it's not it's no shayach.
0: Right, it's not I a said, double standard. It's, what it's, we're it's, talking about is making sure that the standard incorporates the widest possible for the kid to have the least pressure. We don't change from our standard, but we try to have them get along well in school. Thank you.